When was the last time you were in school? Well, whether you're currently a student or if it's been decades since you walked the halls of learning, today on Through the Bible, we're all studying in the School of Wisdom. I'm Steve Schwetz. Glad that you're able to hop aboard the Bible bus for another great study in God's Word. Our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, is beginning in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 shortly. But first, here's a letter. This one's from a fellow passenger, Susan, in Colorado. I'm a school bus driver and love the imagery of the Bible bus. We as drivers are responsible to safely get our children to and from school. There are many dangers as we drive, and we must stay alert and aware of all around us, and at the same time making sure that all is well inside the bus. I relate this to the Holy Spirit being our driver and God's Word helping us navigate through all the dangers of this world. I jumped on the Bible bus because I have tried so many times to go through the Bible on my own without success. My husband and I are involved in many non-believers' lives and know this program will help us to share Jesus with these people for God's glory. We have also joined the World Prayer Team and started donating to this incredible ministry. We as Christians never stop growing in the knowledge of our Lord, and we are grateful to have this opportunity. Well, welcome aboard, Susan, and thank you for joining us on the World Prayer Team, as well as for your generous support and partnership in the gospel. Now, what's your story? What is our time in God's Word meaning to you? Are you using what you learn to maybe reach others in your community? Is your heart strengthened or encouraged? Well, you can email us and tell us your story at BibleBus at ttb.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you fill us with the wonderful wisdom that can be found in your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we're off to Proverbs 1 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Probably as we get into the Bible today, I'm sure that many of you recognize that I do not pull punches and that I do not attempt to curry favor with any group or any individual for the purpose of support. My avowed purpose on the radio is to give out the Word of God and let the chips fall where they may. But I do recognize that I can sometimes make a statement that might hurt a certain group when I have no intention of doing that at all. Now, I hope I can use a little of the wisdom that we have here in this book of Proverbs, the great book on wisdom. Now, I come back to This book, we had a regular word study last time, and it was important. I feel very important. And now we come to the challenge, as we saw it last time, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. Now he says to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now, there is in the Word of God a statement and it's in the book of Proverbs. We'll be coming to it, and I love it. It says in verse 2 of chapter 25, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Now, God has given the gospel so clear to be declared from the housetop, but a great deal of the truth that's in the Word of God is not put on the surface like diamonds that would be scattered on the ground. God never's done that. He's always put the jewels and that which is valuable, he's always hid it away for man to find, the man to look for it. The gold has to be dug out of the ground and the diamonds must be taken out of the ground. 
other precious things must be mined and oil must be drilled. Why? Because that's the thing that God does. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing. Now, the Word of God deserves all of the study that you possibly can bring to it. In other words, the Lord Jesus said, "...search the Scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life." Now, he didn't say you're not to search them. What he really said is, "...search the Scriptures." Now, you just think that you found it because you haven't searched it. You've been reading the Bible, but you haven't found the real treasure that is there. The real treasure that is there is Christ. Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which speak of me. Now, friends, if you haven't found Christ in the Bible, you just haven't been mining for diamonds. You haven't been digging deep enough. And that is the thing that he's saying here, to understand the proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. In other words, God has put these great truths here And I would say the tragedy of the hour is the ignorance of the Word of God that's in both the pulpit and the pew. There needs to be a serious, concentrated study of the Word of God. This idea that you can read over a passage once and you've gotten it all. I trust that we've seen one thing in this study, that you just don't get it, friends, without study. I was down in Fort Myers, Florida. I always enjoy going down there and going out to the Edison home and his laboratory out there and the museum that is there. And the thing that amazes me and has amazed me in the past was in the laboratory he was looking for synthetic rubber. And Firestone and Henry Ford had their homes right there next to Thomas A. Edison, and you can well understand why they would be interested. They were all working together. And Edison there, it looked to me like there were several hundreds of test tubes. You know what he was doing? He was taking everything that was imaginable and testing it to see if you couldn't get synthetic rubber from it. And you know where he found some of it? It was in dandelions, of all things. That'd be the last place I'd look for synthetic rubber, would be in dandelions. And that was the test that he was making. And as I stood in that laboratory and looked at those hundreds of test tubes and thought of the hours that his helpers spent there testing this, that, and the other thing in order to try to find this, I thought, my, how little attention is given to the Word of God where really you could do some real testing. You could do some real study. And today, the challenge of the book of Proverbs is this, dig in. The challenge here is study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is a great challenge that's given to us. Now, the very key of the book, and I've mentioned this before, is verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that's a very interesting one of contrast there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, 
But fools despise wisdom and instruction. They do not learn from it at all. Experience never teaches a fool at all. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I heard this little bit of nonsense. Maybe you've heard it before, but I think it illustrates a point. There was a man driving down the highway, and he had a flat. And he pulled over to the side of the road, and it was by an insane asylum where the insane were put. And there was a man over on the other side of the fence that came down in curiosity. He watched this man as he changed the tire. Never said anything to him, just stood there and looked at him. And the man didn't want to say anything to him. He didn't know the condition of the man that was in the institution. And so as he was changing the tire, he got the tire that was not punctured on. And then he had put all the nuts that he had taken off of the wheel in the hubcap, and he tilted it, and it went down in a sewer. And there were four or five of them down there, and he just stood there scratching his head. What in the world is he going to do? And the man back of the fence there in the insane institution, he said to him, says, why don't you take a nut off each one of the other wheels and put it on that wheel and drive down to filling station, and you'll be able to get others down there so that you can fix your wheel. And the man looked in amazement at this man. He says, why in the world didn't I think of that? You are in the institution and I'm out, and yet you're the one that thought of it. And the man says, I may be crazy, but I'm not stupid. And friends, that's exactly what the book of Proverbs is attempting to do is to get you and me out of the position of being stupid in life. Actually, this is a book that will help us, and we're going to hear quite a bit about that as we move even in this chapter. Now, let me move along. He says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, that's for the home. That's the home relationship. We've already seen that. For they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head, chains about thy neck. How many are listening to me? They go back to a home where they had a godly father, godly mother that instructed them, and they never have gotten away from the things that they were taught in the home. God have mercy on a parent today who's not instructing the little one that's in the home in the things of God. Now, will you notice we begin to move out in another area. My son... If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Now you move out of the home. And who is the first fellow that you meet? Well, it's generally a sinner, because most of the human race are sinners. That is, they've not come to Christ. And all of us are sinners. But you'll meet the sinner who's really living in sin. Now, what's to be your attitude toward it? But by the way, you remember I said that in the book of Proverbs that you'll find a proverb for every character in the Bible. And you'll find, I think, a proverb for every friend of yours. And you might be well not to tell your friend what it is. Now, here's a proverb that refers to someone in the Scripture. Who do you think this applies to? My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. 
Doesn't this apply to Joseph when he was taken as a slave down into the land of Egypt and Potiphar's wife attempted to entice him? Well, here is one that is an example of this, and he did not consent. Now, the little fellow brought up in the home, he's a young man, he moves out into life. Now, what is he going to do? Well, this is his problem. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. What will happen? Well, here's what will happen. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Here he meets the sinner who has a plan and program to get something for nothing, to live off of somebody else and to make somebody suffer in order that he might prosper. Now the word is, cast in thy lot among us, is what they'll say. Let us all have one purse. That's an interesting thing, you see. That's the philosophy of the hour. Let's all of us live out of the same purse. And generally, those that are for that are for doing nothing themselves. They are for you and me sharing what we've worked for, and they haven't any contribution to make at all to it. This is a false philosophy of life, but it's a philosophy that's common among young people as they're coming along, unfortunately. This is the thinking and the mood of the present hour, something for nothing, and using all kinds of methods to get it, even crooked methods and that sort of thing. I remember that when my dad was killed in a cotton gin accident, I was 14 years old, and my mother took my sister and me back to Nashville, her home, and I had to go to work. I couldn't continue in school because we had no finances at all. And I got a job at a wholesale hardware company, and they sold practically everything, including candy. And I worked in the mailing department with several boys. And I want to tell you, they were mean fellas. They had figured out a way that you could go into a box of candy and take out just one piece, and you'd never be detected. But it's wholesale there, and you'd have about 50 boxes. Well, you could fill up several yourself. And you know that, I must confess, I cooperated the first day. And then my conscience bothered me that night. And I said, that's not right. I'm stealing. And so I went back the next day and told them that I'd already eaten <laughs> several pieces. And I told them that I was not for that. After that, they would let me buy it wholesale, and I would buy six bars of candy in a box, and I'd sell them a nickel a bar in the office there to the women that worked in the office and the men. And then I always kept the last one because I paid 25 cents for six bars. I sold them for a nickel apiece, so I got a bar. So that's the way I got my candy. I had to work for it, but I felt like that was the best way to do it. May I say to you that it's so easy to fall in with a group, especially a young man to fall in with those that are shady and doing shady things, or working with a group that are 
goofing off, as they say, and are not returning a full day's work or a full day's wage. And it's so easy to cooperate in that type of a thing for the young man. Now, this is the first advice that's given to him when he leaves home. Now he says, My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. And this is what I call separation. This is the kind of separation the Word of God is very clear on. Come ye out from among them and be separate. Well, that was concerning idolatry that Paul was talking about, but you can apply it right here. Solomon says, Get rid of that crooked crowd that you're with. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the nets spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. And when you get into that type of thing, it will eventually lead you to your own destruction. You'll be caught in your own net. Now, verse 19, So are the ways of everyone that's greedy for gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. And this is condemnation at the beginning of covetousness. You and I live in a materialistic age. I have an article. It's written by a Ph.D., a college professor. And he is taking a position that colleges must get away from the teaching of crass materialism. And therefore, they must return to religion as he expresses it. May I say to you, there are a few that are beginning to wake up. Covetousness is the great sin of the hour. And that's what he's condemning here. Now he says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. Wisdom is urging you to go to school and really learn something. Come to her college. She crieth in the chief places of concourse, in the opening of the gates in the city. She uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And it is stupidity. How long will you be stupid? A young man told me, he's in his 20s now, of how he'd been on drugs for three years. And he kept repeating this, Oh, how stupid I was, Dr. McGee. Well, how long are you going to be stupid? Come to the school of wisdom. Fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. Now let me drop down here because our time is about up to verse 32. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. It is spiritual suicide. Turn from Christ. And the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. What an expression this is. I wonder if this could speak of our nation. We're an affluent society. We measure every man by his bank account. The home he lives in, the car he drives. Are we enjoying the prosperity of fools? Are we living in a fool's paradise? Just getting started in Proverbs, hop aboard next time as the Bible bus rolls along into chapter 2. If you want to share this journey maybe with a family member or friend, then visit ttb.org to learn more about the many creative ways that we make Dr. McGee's teaching available, or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now here are a few final thoughts from Dr. McGee. The book of Proverbs may be helpful in answering this question. 
or whether we today are living in a fool's paradise. And by the way, that word fool occurs over 60 times in the book of Proverbs, and it's always, of course, in contrast to knowledge and to wisdom. It is the opposite. Different words, however, are used for the word fool, and we are going to take a look at that. One word that means fool, actually, it's a word that means a man's a fool because he's an evil man, because he's a dishonest man, because of the evil life that he's living. You find that word used over in the 12th chapter at verse 15, for instance. It says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. That's the evil man. And he will not listen to counsel. What he's doing, it's wise in his own eyes. I would say that that is a picture today certainly of the leadership of our nation in every field. You take the entertainment world today that has been the leader in breaking over the Judeo-Christian ethical system. The morality of the Bible is the foundation of our system of government, by the way, and it's what gave to us all the freedom that we have today. Are we being a fool to Let this be taken away from us by these today who think what they're doing is right in their own eyes, and it's not right according to the Word of God and not right in the eyes of many others. And then the word fool is used again to denote an empty person. Actually, it means a windbag, and it's used over in Proverbs 17, verse 7. It says there, Excellent speech becometh not a fool, much less do lying lips a prince. Well, a prince should not be a liar. It's certainly contrary to his office, to his person. And actually, for a fool, a big windbag, to use excellent speech, that is, wise words, it's out of place. It doesn't become him at all. And after all, He is a windbag. And I think today in our country, if you listen to television very much and listen to these symposiums that they have, that you'll find out that we have a lot of windbags. Today, in the political area, in our educational system, and actually in the church, the windbags. And we read in Ecclesiastes that a fool is full of words. And actually, the word for fool in Ecclesiastes there means stupid. Man, it just talks and doesn't say anything. And there's a great deal of that about, as you well know. And then we have a third word that's used, and it's a word that means self-confident. It means proud. And you find that over in the 28th chapter, verse 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. And we need leaders today who do not trust their own heart. We need men who will trust God today. And one of the great problems that our country has had now for some time is that we have not had a leadership 
in this nation that trust God. They trust themselves. And the word that's used here is fool. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. And that is certainly true in the realm of salvation today, especially so. There's one thing about God's plan of salvation. It does not depend upon man. Man did not originate it. Man did not work it out. Man did not present it to man. It's God's plan. Salvation is of the Lord. That's what Jonah said. That's one great lesson he got inside of the fish. And that is salvation is of the Lord. And Peter could stand before the religious group in his day and say there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we'll close with he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Now I say to you, it's time our great nation is doing some real serious thinking, don't you think? Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Jesus grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.